Well, it's good to be sharing with you again today, and <clears throat> as uh, we looked at last week, the whole aspect of flux and personal uncertainty, and Terry's picked up on some of that today as well in uh, our reflection time around communion, and some of the challenges that we face during times of flux. But there are also opportunities where God can use these times for good as well. And as we spent some time last Sunday looking at uh, some of those questions and some of those things around personal uncertainty, I wanted to provide a couple of moments uh, where we can chat about last Sunday and whether that raised some areas where it might have brought up some questions or you might want to just share a challenge that you find in being in a state of flux or being through a state of flux but also some encouragement about um, some of the things that you found helpful. So if you wanted to contribute to that conversation, then just pop up your hand and I'll race around with the microphone and we can chat a little bit about that. So thinking about the whole thing of personal flux, personal uncertainty, some challenges that you found in that time or in that space, or also some encouragement about how what some of the things that you found helpful. Uh, anyone want to contribute to that? Yep, right down the back. I'm going to get my uh, weekly exercise. Oh, you can do? Yeah. Last week after the service, there was quite a discussion um, at the table I was sitting out at about loneliness when you're on your own. What do you do to fill in your time? How do you work through that? And there were a number of us in this state of flux. Yeah. Yep. And just trying to fill that gap, that void. Um, and just feeling like you're going through the motions as well can be a real challenge. So, yeah, that can be a, a tough thing. Others as well, going through a state of flux or challenges or things that you might have found helpful when you've been through some of that tough point, maybe a change of employment or that sort of thing. Oh, we've got one at the back and then Lynn down the front. Thanks, Clyde. After the service last week, I just felt as if I wanted to be a better person and try harder and work yep. at it. And Lynn? Terry just said he knows what I'm going to talk about. I wonder whether he does or not. <laughs> <laughs> Probably does. Um, I haven't had a lot of depression in my life, but I've had a couple of periods where I really sank into a very, very dark, blue, black place. Mm. Uh, they were brief, thank God, and <clears throat> I learnt the efficacy of prayer. Yeah absolute necessity of prayer to relieve me in those times. It didn't take the depression away immediately, but it actually relieved my whole self as I prayed. Yeah. The other thing that really God taught me at that time was to read the scriptures. Yeah. And it was the Psalms, unsurprisingly. Mm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And in the actual act of reading the scriptures and then the prayer, the veil was lifted slowly, slowly, yeah. and then cleared. Yeah. So that was a, a time of really physical need for prayer mm. and, you know, mental and physical need for, for those things. Yeah. Yep. That's really good. Anyone else? Oh, we've got a couple more. I see that hand. Thanks, Eunice. Just thinking back on my life and the different experiences that we've had. And there have been times when it was so smooth. Yeah. And I... Mm. Yeah. Uh, last week you mentioned about um, loss and being lost in your um, discussion and uh, I understood that fully. You mentioned also waking up and beside 
and the person that was beside you is no longer there. Mm. It's very difficult to get through a period in life where it, you are lost and you don't feel that you know the way. The way can be, as was mentioned, in prayer and relying on the faithful that surround you. And I thank those people that did. Thank you, David. Yeah, thanks for that. Well, in my life, two years, myself, my wife, uh, have been uh, experiencing storms, should we call it, trials and tribulations, physically, physical condition, mm. my wife, and uh, so many things, financially, sometimes uh, personal differences just between my wife and myself, and so many things that I cannot mention right now, storms yep. in my life. But I have learned one thing, it's like uh, what Lynn said, to rely on prayers yeah. and the Bible. Mm. We read the Bible about, uh, what, I read the Bible about 700 times a year, mm. that's twice a day. My favorite is Psalm 103 from the year, uh, Living Bible. Mm -hmm. I uh, bless the Lord with all my heart. Yes, I will bless the Lord and I forget the glorious things He does for me. He forgives all my sins. He heals me. He ransoms me from hell. Yeah. He surrounds me with loving kindness and tender messages. Mm. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. I, uh, I like that. Mm. Yeah. Forgives our sins. Yeah. And he has removed our sins as far away from us as the East is from the West. Yeah. And I pray this, plus a couple of other Psalms mm. every day in my life. Yeah. And uh, it lets us through the storm in our life, yeah. even daily. And I thank the Lord for them. I thank the Lord for the Bible, yeah. Psalm especially. Yeah. Fantastic. Got time for one more, if anyone else? Oh, yep. 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 Yeah, and Robert's just reminding us that even in those times of uncertainty, when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, that there's this aspect where we can trust that we will be saved, that God will come through for us. I recall an occasion where, as a pastor, I had a young lady come up to me, uh, to Mary and I, and she was sharing about her own personal uncertainty, that she was in a pretty dark place. And she said to me, I cannot see God in my life right now, but I'm trusting that he's in your life and I can see you. So I'm hanging on to you until I can see God again. And I think that's the power of community. So it's kind of like, John, what you were saying about, you know, coming together. And um, Terry was talking about how we have this, this centrality, this thing that we keep on coming back to as far as communion goes. And we've got communion, we've got the scriptures, we've got community that can help to center us, that can give us that sure footing when we face times of uncertainty. Let me pray and then we'll keep on going in today's message. Let me take a moment to pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are an, a reliable God, that we can trust in you and that even in those dark times when 
We feel as though you are so distant. We thank you through the power of prayer, through reading of your word and finding that we're not alone as we read through the Psalms and other passages in the Bible, that others have been where we are now. And we thank you for community. We thank you for this faith community, that we can come together and even in those times of doubt and uncertainty, that we can rely on you and how you are at work in this place because you are a good God and because you love us so much. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we've been reflecting on, not only are there times where there can be um, individuals and, and we individually live in personal uncertainty, but it's also a case that as a group, as a family, churches, organisations, even states and countries can experience times of uncertainty as well. And as I reflect on this whole aspect of being in a state of flux and times of flux and what we're going through as a church at Northern during um, you know, th- these times of change where we've had a change in ministry team leader, where we've had and we're going through changes in the work for the Dole program and our funding, I'm reminded of the occasion in Exodus, of those times of flux where some, a group of people, a nation of people in the Old Testament experienced over 40 years of uncertainty and flux. In 1942, psychologist Kurt Lewin proposed a theory of change that we see evidence of in the book and in the experience of the Exodus, the wanderings. The first stage is unfreezing. It's establishing the conditions necessary for change or movement to take place. The second stage um, is the stage of change or flux, where people and organisations shift and move, where they would experience uncertainty and also times of transformation. And the third stage is refreezing when the new normal is established and accepted and even celebrated. For God's people in the Exodus, we see similar stages in their existence. Just as we have in the past at Northern, where we are also experiencing a new season of it again. For God's people in Exodus, there came a time when unfreezing took place. After 430 years of living in Egypt and experiencing these lifestyles that were created, patterns of living that were just the rhythms of life that were established for generations and generations to come, they went through this period of 430 years and they were frozen in it. Not like the movie, but they were frozen. And then Lewin's stage one, there needed to be an unfreezing And so there was this rise of slavery. There was Moses. There was the plagues where there was this unfreezing, this thawing out and this readiness for change. Then later on, we read in Joshua 3 of refreezing where God's people enter into the land west of the Jordan River, the promised land. And over the next 30 to 40 years, they reestablished themselves in what would be their homeland for hundreds of years. But in between the first stage of of unfreezing or thawing and in the second, uh, in the third stage, sorry, of freezing, there's this stage in between, stage two of change. 
the travelling time between Egypt and the Promised Land should have taken about one year. But because of resistance, because of rebellious hearts, um, by most of God's people, and we read about that in Numbers chapters 13 and 14, there's this resistance to do God's will. It became, instead of just a one-year journey, it became a 40-year period of flux, living between Egypt and the Promised Land. And during that time, an entire generation of people who resisted God's heart died. Never seeing the Promised Land, a whole generation experienced the realisation Uh, A whole generation never experienced the realisation of God's vision for his people. For we as a church and organisations, we can learn a lot of valuable lessons of how to be, how to live and how to move through these seasons of flux. For us as a church, the first and the most important lesson is that during a time of flux, it is and it should always be that it is God who leads. Exodus chapter 12, verses 50 and 51, we read these words. So all the people of Israel followed all the Lord's commands to Moses and Aaron. On that very day, the Lord brought the people out of the land of Egypt like an army. There are many occasions throughout Exodus and the Exodus Flux account when people acted in faith and trusted God's leadership of the nation. And God did amazing things in their midst as a result of that trust. But unfortunately, there are other occasions when they rebelled. Not against Moses, not against Aaron. They they were just God's representatives. Rather, they rebelled against God. At one point, making their own God out of a golden calf. A golden calf that they could tell what to do and when to do it. Time and time again, the group were reminded that they were being led by God and Moses' role was to be God's representative. It's also important to to keep God as leader front and centre. With so many distractions, and directions that they could go, God who leads needed to be kept front and centre. We see this in two ways. In front, in Exodus chapters 13, chapter 13, verses 21 and 22, we read how God led them through, a, uh, through, uh, led them through a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Front and centre. After the tabernacle was built, this place of meeting together, um, the physical representation of God's presence we read about in Numbers chapter 2 and how the people were camped around this physical representation of God's presence. 360 degrees all the way around this place of meeting, the tabernacle. And so God was both front and centre for his people. Another lesson we discover is that we need to establish and remind um, everyone of our identity. During transition and uncertainty, people will come and people will go. And your identity um, as a group can be challenged as a result. And people can want to assert their own desires on the group. For the people of God, 
there were some who were just coming along for the ride, just to see what was happening, just joining in on the fringes for as long as it suited them. And in time, they wanted to assert their own wants and whims. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 38, and Numbers chapter 11, verse 4, we read about some of these accounts. The importance of knowing what defines you, what is your narrative as a faith community, what is your narrative as a nation. It's not so that we become elitist or exclusive, but to help you to not be distracted or compromise the values of the community. God's people during this season of flux and uncertainty were had this reinforced in their presence, in their lives, through Exodus chapter 20 and 24. We've got the Ten Commandments and a number of other directions and guidelines that God gave them about how they would be His people. Values that would set them apart from many um, in the surrounding nations that were exploitive and inhumane, some of the practices that they would have about child sacrifice and, and where people would, because of a desire to have their own crops grow really well, they would sacrifice their own child in order to appease or to find favour with their God. These were some of the things that God said, I don't want you to be a part of that. And so I'm going to give you some guidelines, some some. Um, life rules to live by. But rather than being exclusive, God's people were to be invitational, providing an opportunity for people from other nations to join them in following Yahweh God. They would be positive lights to the nations around them, even during times of uncertainty. In Exodus 23 verse 9, and we read about it again in Leviticus chapter 25 verse 35 where it says this, If one of your fellow Israelites falls into poverty and cannot support himself, support him as you would a foreigner or a temporary resident and allow him to live with you. This is an inclusive group of people. This is an invitational group of people. As they follow God, And as other people say, hey, listen, we think you're onto something here. Can we join in? Can we partner with you there? That have open arms and say, yeah, you are more than welcome to join with us. Jesus also established this identity with his first followers through the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 through to 7, which differentiated his movement from the other movements that were going on at the time. One of the challenges during seasons of flux is the rise of complaints and grumbling from people resistant to change, others wanting to go back to the way things were and others frustrated that change is just taking way too long. Now, while that would never happen here or in organisations that you've been a part of, it did happen for God's people in the period of the Exodus. Time and time And time and time again, we read of the people complaining and grumbling against Moses and against God. Time and time again, they wanted to go back to the way things were, even if it meant slavery. In Exodus 14 verses 11 and 12, they say, what have you done to us? Didn't you tell this would happen? Didn't we tell you this would happen? Leave us alone. 
Let us go back and be slaves. Time and time again, in Exodus 15, 16, Exodus 17, in Numbers 11, in Numbers 14, in Numbers 21, in Deuteronomy 1, time and time again there are account after account after account of people complaining, people wanting to go back to the way things were. In Numbers 11, 4 to 6, we read about that those fringe dwellers, those those hanger-oners that weren't really committed, and this is what they had to say. Then the foreign rabble who were travelling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt. And the people of Israel also began to complain. Oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. We remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. And we had all the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions and garlic we wanted. Notice, Mary, they didn't say zucchini. See, they're my sort of people. Um, I don't like zucchini. But now our appetites are gone. All we have, all we ever see is this manna. Complaining, whinging, whining, nitpicking, rebelling, resisting, cost the people of God. For some, they got sick. For others, they died. And ultimately, a one-year season of flux extended out to 40 years. And a whole generation missed out on what God promised them. So how does Moses respond? We know from last week, times of flux reveal and develop character in individuals. Time and time again, we see Moses respond with humility. Yes, he got frustrated and he challenged people's bad behaviour, but he was a person of humility. In Numbers 12 verse 3 we read, Now Moses was very humble, more humble than any other person on earth. Elsewhere, Moses is willing to take the punishment for the people's bad behaviour in Exodus chapter 32 verse 32. And he regularly intercedes on behalf of the people with God. But that doesn't mean that the complaints and resistance don't hurt Moses. Moses was not made of Teflon. He wasn't Iron Man. He wasn't um, able to just um, shake off the criticisms and complaints and that they would just slide off his Teflon um, garments without leaving a mark. In Numbers 11, verse 11 to 15, we read these words where, where Moses is just being hit hard time and time again with people's complaints. Moses said to the Lord, why are you treating me, your servant, so harshly? Have mercy on me. What did I do to deserve the burden of all these people? Did I give birth to them? Did I bring them into the world? Why did you tell me to carry them in my arms like a mother carries a nursing baby? How can I carry them to the land you swore to give their ancestors? Where am I supposed to get meat for all these people? They keep whining, saying to me, give us meat to eat. I can't carry these people by myself. The load is far too heavy. And if this is how you intend to treat me, just go ahead and kill me. Do me a favour and spare me this misery. 
Being responsible for a group of people came at a cost for Moses. Even when things are going well, there's the, the concern and the responsibility that he had. But the sustained complaints and grumbling can result in leaders like Moses getting stressed, tired, discouraged, sick, and even burning out. So God establishes some ways to help Moses get through by sharing the responsibility of the group through this season of uncertainty and flux. You see, God said, I want you to establish a team of champions who have the same heart as you. Champions who are committed to seeing things through a time of uncertainty with a similar passion, with a similar heart. In Numbers 11, verses 16 and 17, and in verses 24 and 25, we read of God giving Moses a team of people with a heart for God and the future for the people as well. In Numbers 11, verses 16 and 17, we read these words. Then the Lord said to Moses, Gather before me 70 men who are recognized as elders and leaders of Israel. Bring them to the tabernacle to stand there with you. I will come down and talk with you there. I will take some of the spirit that is upon you and I will put the spirit upon them also. They will bear the burden of the people along with you so you do not have to carry it alone. And in verse 25, And the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to Moses. Then he gave the 70 elders the same spirit that was upon Moses. It was also helpful, also important, that there were various people, a team of people, who were able to help Moses with the delegation of various day-to-day responsibilities. The delegation within the community to help free up Moses so that Moses could do what only Moses could do. In Exodus chapter 18, verses 13 to 28. And last but not least, during times of flux and uncertainty, God reminded them to celebrate regularly God's goodness and have a party. In Leviticus chapter 23, there are five different times throughout the year, every year, where the people were commanded to gather, to celebrate, to have a feast, to have a party. So for us today, both now and again in the future, when we go through seasons of flux, what can we learn from this account And what might God be saying to us as we look to respond, as we think about those response cards and what God might be saying to us today? First and most importantly, this is God's church. We are the body of Christ. And as such, Jesus is our leader. It's not me. It's not Matt or the leadership group or even the church meeting. Jesus is the head of the church. And so we need to keep God front and centre. It is essential that those with responsibilities, such as the ministry team, Matt and I as pastors, the leadership group, members um, in that group and, and leaders in individual areas, take time to invest in our relationship with Jesus. When we stick close to Jesus and spend time with Him, when we learn to discern what God is saying and the way He is leading the church. That is important in our roles as His representatives. God also cares about the organisations that you are a part of as well, 
whether it be as a volunteer or in employment or in other ways. Invite God to lead you as you serve at work in the decisions and the responsibilities that you have. It's important that we understand and we are reminded regularly of our identity, our narrative. What defines us as a group of people as we follow Jesus' leadership? Companies spend millions of dollars every year to establish and to protect their identity, to protect their brand. Because their identity tells a story of who they are, where they've come from, and where they're going, and what they believe in. As Christians and as a church, this ultimately comes from Jesus. That's why we place as a priority the values of Jesus, and why we have already taken time, and we will continue to take time again and again, exploring the Sermon on the Mount, the teachings of Jesus, and God's values for this faith community. Not to exclude others, but to give a basis of invitation to welcome others to join with us and to give reasons why we can also join with others who share similar values that Jesus calls forth. We are digging in into this identity of who we are as a church family and, and we'll do that some more as we work through the likely reduction of our work for the dull activities. And if there are other complementary areas that are consistent with God's calling on us as a faith community. If and when people complain about the state of flux and uncertainty because of change, we need to be careful about how we raise these concerns. When you experience change around you, we can easily respond negatively and want to have things go back to the way things were. But if that means that we resist what God wants of us, and where Jesus is leading us, then we need to beware that the resistance and the complaining will come at a cost. And we may miss out on what God wants for and through us. Now, that doesn't mean you can't raise concerns. But if we run to others before we come to those in leadership, then that can undermine Matt my, the leadership group's responsibilities. And rather than building us up, it can tear us down. God wants us to follow him and follow Jesus. If you want to look at that some more, then I'd encourage you to have a listen to the message that we preached on the 22nd of October last year that looks at that a little bit more, about how we deal with conflict and differences. As those responsible to God for the church family, we need to strive to humbly lead the church. And as we continue to call people to follow what Jesus wants, which is way more important, what Jesus wants is way more important than what I want. As we navigate times of uncertainty and change, as we move through seasons of flux as a church, then we also need to have people who will be champions of change and God's heart for us. If it's just left to the pastors, to Matt and me, then it, it squeezes, it puts pressure on us to be doing everything. If we are the only voice championing what God wants, then it can be pretty lonely. And as a result, people can burn out. 
So the challenge that I want to give to the leadership group today is not to be silent, but to rather be a voice championing what God is doing, calling us to rally together behind Jesus' leadership, even through tough times. During times of flux, we also need teams of people who will be ready to get their hands dirty, volunteering and serving where you can, joining in prayer, in giving words of encouragement, in acts of service, giving of yourself in support of what Jesus is doing in and through us for others, being prepared to give things a go, even if it is for the very first time. And we need to take time to celebrate, to have a party, to get together and to have fun and to laugh and to share with each other the good things that God is doing in our midst. And I firmly believe that when we are prepared to allow Jesus to lead us through times of uncertainty, then we will experience the promises that God has in store for us on the other side of these times of flux. And that will definitely be worthwhile celebrating. So how do we respond today? How do we respond? I'd encourage you to think about two things. One, offer a prayer of thanks for where you believe we as a church are doing well. Your own celebratory prayer. But then also pray, offer a prayer of desire to grow in one of these areas that stands out a little bit more for you. There's going to be some music played and then after the music's played, um, we'll sing our final song and those response cards will be collected along with your offering and also the pencils and pens as well. So let's take some time to respond to God this morning. God bless you.